Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 128, Drawers Change Story, from cloudy vision to clarity. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. I'm really excited to introduce you to Drawer today. Uh, Drawer is someone that we've been, I've been knowing I want him to come on the podcast for a really long time and uh, just hasn't happened until it finally happened. So he's uh, he's a change coach. He's been, uh, he's a three principles coach himself. He works for me and my business on the business side of things. Um, he's a someone I consider a good friend. And He's seen a lot and across a lot of different areas of life. And that's what I really love about about his story and this conversation that we had. Um, Without trying, it just kind of popped up over and over and over again, how for him, when he looks at, you know, what was behind uh, huge business and work kind of changes he's made in his life, a decision to move from Israel to the United States. Um, a decision to uh, try to marry his wife. <laughs> I say try because it's not; it wasn't all his decision. But uh, the two of them getting clarity about their relationship and going really quickly from from dating to engaged to married. Um, once they had that clarity, just kind of knowing, oh, okay, now I know. Now I see what's been here all along. Um, he talks about it in terms of his health. So the title of this episode, From Cloudy Vision to Clarity, he in the past few years uh, had glaucoma and had almost lost his eyesight or could have lost his eyesight, had to undergo some really serious operations on his eyes. Uh, while we were recording this yesterday, he has a stitch in an eye, <laughs> which sounds really bad, uh, but you know he's good. He's tough about it. Um, but so much that he's seen through the process of wondering, you know, what could go wrong and am I going to go blind? And and as he talks about going to that worst case scenario in his mind and and seeing that, wow, I can be okay even then, even there. Uh, he he also, like Jor initially came into my life because he had some food-related habits that he's also seen through. And so we talk about all of these areas of life, business, personal life, health, habits, and it just, by the end of our conversation, was just looking so clear, like, wow, they're all really one thing. You know, they're all one thing. He's seeing so much and sharing so much about how his own state of mind is just behind the whole thing, always, always, no exceptions. So I love how clearly that came through in this conversation with him, and um, I just love him, and I know you will too. So enjoy this episode. Hi, Gerard. Thanks so much for coming on Changeable. Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah, I've been, uh, we've been talking about this for a while and far before we've even been talking about it, it's been on my mind to, to have you on and talk about some stuff, whatever stuff comes up. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So, um, so maybe just to, just to kind of get us started, and I'm curious about this too. I know, I know a little bit about your history, like before I came into your life, <laughs> which I know is relatively recent, but tell us a little bit about like where you grew up, like 
you know, I know you were in the military, like how, how and when you kind of moved to the States, all of that stuff. Well, I was born and raised in Israel and um, kind of had a lot of family in the U.S. So I've been doing uh, U.S.-Israel most of my life since I'm a kid. Um, you know, regular Israeli life, grew up, did uh, high school, went to the army. We don't have college. College come after the army in Israel. And, you know, right in the army, I really got into some serious technology was Air Force intelligence, got exposed to that. We're talking about 80s, so it wasn't as sophisticated as today, but back then it looked really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I left the Army, the internet kind of came up, and uh, I started a small uh, agency in Israel that became one of the biggest in the Middle East, was purchased at the dot-com boom. So someone, somehow, for all the 90s, we built a lot of websites. <laughs> hundreds of websites uh, at the early days. And it was very exciting uh, on almost any form of business on the spectrum. Uh, you know, banks, government, startups, technology, food, whatever you could think of. And um, that somehow led me to live in the U.S. My company was purchased by a U.S. company, a big one. Uh, and uh, I started to do the line Tel Aviv, New York. And somewhere in the midst of the dot-com bubble, um, my company started to collapse. I did 20 times a year Tel Aviv, New York, and I realized I, I need to choose a continent. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, uh, uh, the jet lag. I was living in a constant state of jet lag, yeah. uh, in a way, with some stops in Europe. And um, long story short, 9-11 happened. I was uh, flying on 9-11. It was a big, some, you know, big impact like everybody. And that somehow led me, I'm not going to get into the whole story, to decide that I'm staying in the U.S. I came to a visit, and, and from that, I've been living for the last 20-something years in the U.S. Um, so that's kind of like the shortest version of yeah. give you what led me, it led me here. Um, so at that time, um, around 9-11 time or shortly thereafter when you when you decided to move here, did you still have your original business or you weren't yeah, in that yeah, anymore? Yeah, I mean, it it's actually still exists. Okay. <laughs> My partners bought it and shrinked it. It was 100 employees. Today's about 10 and it's still operating very nicely. Um, I'm just not, not related to it anymore. I was for several years. Yeah. Um, but what happened back then, I was kind of burned out. You know, I mean, we, I mean it was a lot of fun the happy dot-com days, but uh, I mean, you know, we used to work seven days a week, 14 hours a day. Yeah. And something happened to me after 9-11 that, that kind of was like a big reset, I think, like the rest of, uh, especially in America. And um, I felt that I don't want to do this anymore. I felt I'm burned out. I've seen it all, done it all. Uh, but then I was, I was living in the U.S. and... Um, started to assist one of my clients at the time, which led me to uh, uh, move to LA and was very interesting for a while and, and led me to um, a path of citizenship when I decided to stay here that someone led me back to the internet. I initially didn't do online, but uh, it all ended up to within a few years, I, I kind of really was uh, working for a big retail company a uh, very unique one that um, 
sells mainly to um, Latino-based U.S. company like Target, a very big company, and became like an e-commerce expert and uh, multicultural e-commerce expert. Um, and and I was very good at that, and it was very nice, you know. Uh, it was very exciting. The e-commerce day was post the dot-com days in the history of the internet. Uh, but at some point, I, I just couldn't do that either. You know, I did it for a while um, from various reasons. And at some point, I started to, like, seek other ventures. And I um, was doing, at the time, a degree in spiritual psychology. And I don't even remember how exactly I got to that, but I, I knew I needed to do things for my soul that are different than work. At that time, I really separated my personal life from my corporate life. Mm-hmm. And um, it started to get me into really thinking, what do I want to do in the world? And is that the best I could do in my life? Which, which was pretty good. You know, I wasn't like, I think we did great contribution. I don't, it's not that I had, I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't satisfied. But um, in, in my spiritual psychology program, there was this process that you meditate for a long time and ask a big question and through the meditation, maybe get an answer. And I had a pretty profound experience with that. And at that time I was like really entertaining the idea of leaving my job and doing something that is not technology related. <laughs> Somehow in my mind that would bring me more joy. I thought yeah. I'd go work with kids and nature and all kind of other hobbies that I have and that I'm good at animals and in this meditation, I got a really clear answer. I kind of like, it was a download. I don't even know. It wasn't like a sentence. It was like this notion that I don't need to walk away from things that I'm gifted at. And I don't need to know what I need to do, or what I want to do. But I can't be part of anything that sells people things that they don't need. That was the clarity, the best that I can yeah. you know, verbalize it. And it took me on a quite deep look inside, like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, because really, when you work in, uh, in retail, corporate America, that's what you do. You sell people, you sell as much as you can. And mm-hmm. mainly you sell people things that they don't need, making them think that they really need that. Mm-hmm. And I was very good at that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that notion brought me like, huh. Uh, you know, maybe I can keep doing that, but what is, what are things that people need? <laughs> you know, yeah. such a big question. So that led me on a really interesting journey, I think, of working more and more in, in, in the fields of health and wellness and, um, you know, consciousness, spirituality, whatever label you want to put on that. And, and part of it went along with, with some... Um, health challenges that I, that I faced at the time. So, so it also was very personal. Um, I left my corporate job at some point, several months after that, took, took a year, quote unquote, of sabbatical of just traveling and figuring out what's the next thing that I want to do. And somehow this year never became a year. After a few months of traveling, I, I was introduced to someone who was my first consulting client. And I started a, a consulting agency of, of, um, really helping people grow their dreams, uh, build businesses online and offline. And, and mainly in what I define is do good businesses and, uh, 
uh, and going back to that initial notion to to try to provide all of my knowledge and experience to fields that are not that not that season with marketing and getting themselves out there in a big way, which I defined at the time as do good companies or wellness, consciousness, health, all of those things. Yeah. And since then, I was that 11 years now, it's been a very interesting and uh, definitely more fulfilling journey. I love that, um, you know, that initially your mind kind of went to, well, maybe I need to throw this all away and go work out in nature with kids. Like, isn't that what a mind does, right? And then in your meditation, you're like, well, wait a minute, there's a middle way, you know, a huge middle way that was kind of revealed. And I just think that's, um, that's a, it's a great thing for people to hear because our mind will totally jump to the opposite extreme and it feels really good and freeing there to some extent. But often there is a giant middle that we just don't see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it wasn't just a random thing. You know, I spend a lot of time in nature. I like to be outdoors. Yeah. Uh, back in the days, you couldn't take your phone with you and have technology in nature. So when you were in nature, I was disconnected and all of these things. So uh, it was, yeah, it was a natural thing. The mind over there, it's going to be good. Yeah. Because <laughs> you seem yeah. to be freer and happier. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's what the mind do. And, and, um, and I don't know if at the time I even saw it as a middle way. It would just seem like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You know? It's so interesting. I think about this. I haven't thought about this in a while, but um, when I was in corporate work that I didn't like, and I was, I was coaching on the side, uh, building up my coaching practice, but I was still very much in this corporate work. Uh, I had the opportunity when I lived in Chicago to um, possibly buy a small cupcake bakery do you remember when, I mean, I know you have them all over LA now and they're probably all closed yeah. by now, but it was such a fad. And there was like one in Chicago, a couple in New York, a couple in LA. And, um, and the very first one that opened in Chicago, the guy was selling it and I thought about buying it. And I think about that now and I'm like, what the heck is I thinking? I, I'm not a like bakery. You, your family is, is in bakeries. Mine, right. no. And me, I don't care at all about that. But, but it's kind of just reminded me of what you're saying. It's like, in some way it made sense because what I didn't, what I wanted was just to be in the city, like interacting with people, growing something. I kind of didn't even care what it was. I wanted to be growing something and, you know, just, just like being creative and watching something change and grow. And, and so, I don't know, I think it's just funny how our mind sort of picks a thing sometimes, you know, and that's fine. And then we move toward that thing and often say, oh no, wait, maybe it's, maybe it's over here. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you on that. And and the funniest thing with me, which a lot of some people thought I was crazy because many people live a job or corporate work because they're not happy. I was very happy. <laughs> you know, I was good. We had fun. One of the best companies I ever worked with. I mean, we're still in relations and I do some some things with them. So it's very hard to leave something that you, you, you love. Yeah. You like the people. You know, and yet something in you feels I can't do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not even coming from 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 uh, hating my corporate job because I because I actually loved it. So so yeah, so you know that that was that was that was definitely a very interesting journey, and and through that, you know, I, I was always um, very versed in psychology because because in a way, all of what I did for my life around internet and online marketing and digital things, it's really ends up as human behavior. 
you know, the technology is kind of just the enabler of how do people do, how do people find what they want, where do people click, how do people buy. And when I went on this program of spiritual psychology, it was a whole other thing. Oh, there's a whole other world beyond the the technicality of the psychology is to call it the dark side of psychology of branding and marketing, which really brainwash people to to do things they think they want to do. And it was a whole other world uh, for me. But then even with that, it was it was really interesting because as much as I loved that path and thought, oh, maybe I'll become a spiritual psychologist, which some of my classmates did. There was also part of me that that um, did not like dwelling in the suffering of the psyche of all of our unresolved issues, <laughs> which is really what psychology mainly does, uh, including spiritual psychology. It's very very different and much more uh, spiritual, and, and it was a great program, but. That somehow led me to start to think, you know, consulting is great, but people come to me and pay me to tell them what to do at the end of the day. People know better what to do. Maybe coaching is better. So, so I ended up really doing this path of, of transferring my practice from, from consulting to coaching, um, which, which I don't really separate. I, I really think it's, it's, for me, it's, it's very, very um, interlaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, I somehow got exposed to the three principles and to the understanding, which made so much sense to me on everything that I knew in my life, <laughs> you yeah. know, not just the psychology of things, but human behavior, marketing, business. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it was really, um, uh, kind of an eye-opening thing. Wow. Things could be so much simpler. Yeah. Were you, were you looking for something simpler or you just sort of stumbled upon it? No, you know, it's just, you know, we saw a movie, we saw a clip of Dickon (laughs) Bettinger talking about something. And I was so drawn to this, uh, what he was put to this guy specifically and what he was talking about. And I went Google it, uh, thought it's a nice thing, played in and out with it for a year. I didn't dive into the principles. I just, Oh, it's another tool (laughs) or another approach to, to psychology. Uh, and I really fought a lot of the business sector aspects of that. Um, and then right around that time, I, um, I developed glaucoma, which I, I had, I just didn't know I had that. And it was a very scary journey of uh, me figuring out I'm losing my eyesight. It was very aggressive, very rare for someone at my age to have the condition that I have is usually something that people develop around the age of 70, 75. And I got it at at 40, you know, early 40. And so it was a lot of uh, fear and confusion and thoughts. And my mind started to go on this darker side. What if, um, what if I lose my eyesight? You know, everything that I know and everything that we do today really, depends on the screen and um, it was it was it was quite a dark um, time to figure out what do I do and uh, you know found the right experts and got myself out of that but that kind of got me to um, 
I kind of took the psychology side of life. I had to do a worst case scenario and says, okay, what's going to happen if I'm going to go blind? Mm-hmm. And, and I had to go there. I've been there for several good months Says you know, I could do all of whatever they do and I could do this surgery. And at that time I needed to do a surgery that one of the side of, you know, if it would be succeed, it would save my vision that I lost quite, quite a bit on the peripheral, but on the center, I still saw really well 2020. But one of the side effects is that you could go blind. <laughs> so it's like one of those catch 22 decisions. Like right. if I don't do it for sure, I'm going to get visually impaired on a good chance within a couple of years, if I do do the surgery, there's a 1% chance I'm going to go blind. And 1% is a big chance. One yeah. of 100 of people do the surgery. It's, it's yeah. not gonna, okay, it's not going to happen to me. So through that time, I was, um, you know, just call it the, the dark night of the soul. It wasn't, wasn't such thing. My mind really went to the worst case scenarios and no, I, I could not control that. And then I decided to do the surgeries because it really, it was, um, at the end of the day, it was a no brainer because when they give you the option, in any option, you may lose your sight, but in one of them, it's a hundred percent, you're going to be visually impaired. So you do it. And as I did the surgery, which is not a complicated surgery, but the recovery from it is complicated. My vision did get blurred. I couldn't work at all for a while, you know, on a computer or with people. So I just said, I'm going to take the time off completely and, and just, you know, dedicate myself to healing. And at that time, I really started to dive into the understanding, which really helped me because I was, um, I was understanding what my mind does, yeah. <laughs> what minds do. And, and, and it was interesting. One day, my, my ophthalmologist who was a great guy. The guy who did a surgery on me we were talking about doing the other eye surgery and he says, it's so interesting that you're thinking on all the negative things that could happen that, that they are. I have to give you all the risks by law, you know, 10% that really weird things are going to happen. But then, you know, you came to me cause I'm one of the best to do that in the world and I have 90% success rate <laughs> and the 90% success rate, your vision going to be 2020. You wouldn't need all those eye drops. You wouldn't be all of that. It's going to take some a while, you know, to heal, but why won't we talk about the 90%? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> and, I was like, uh, and, and it was really interesting because a week before, my spiritual teacher told me the same. She told me, you look at the worst case scenario, why don't you look at the ideal scene that you're healing quickly and your vision is radiant and all of that. And yeah. So he told me the same thing that the spiritual told me. And it's like, you know, a scientist, doctor. And I sat with it for a while and then, I, and then it kind of hit me, okay, this is what my mind does. <laughs> and I have no control over that. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think of the positive thing, I draw an ideal scene, and then my mind goes back to, to that. And that was a pretty pivotal point for me in life, in business, and in, in all of that. I, I started to work with a 3P practitioner. I really dove into the principles. And, and um, that kind of led me to where we are today. That led me eventually to you. I did the surgeries part of my side effect of the surgeries was to soothe the irritation of the healing with food. I gained tremendous amount of weight like never ever before in my life. And I did well on other aspects until, and I read your book, you change, I did whatever I could, but I was kind of stuck on that physical uh, part of my body that was unaware doing this habit of eating to soothe the irritation. And then a good friend of ours, Rohini, says, hey, why won't you check Amy's school? And I didn't even know you had a school at the time. I was like, what is Amy's school? 
and I did the little school of big change, which which was um, really pivotal on on changing my health, eating habits, health habits, and also looking differently at the whole situation of the eyes. Realize how many of those things I was doing, and they were invisible to me. Yeah, you know. And that also led to some shift in my business. At that time, I didn't work for a while. My partner picked up that side of the business. And I um, really took, made a decision. I'm really shifting from consulting to coaching. And coaching is going to be principle-based. And, um, and, and again, I, I cannot be more grateful about, you know, what for the eye situation that led me to that because it just led me more and more to work with um, nicer projects, interesting projects. Uh, it kind of gave me that clarity that I was seeking probably years before. What is, how do I help people that are do good? Yeah. And I didn't find anybody in that field that didn't do good, you know, or was doing good and trying to market it as, you know, something that people need, even if they didn't need to. It, was, it really was, Boom, clarity. And the funniest thing that I got is clarity of the vision of what I want to do at the time that my physical eyesight was not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, um, okay, so when you, when it was pointed out to you and when you noticed, wow, my mind keeps going back to the worst case scenario and there's all this, you know, 90% otherwise, um, like that to me is so fascinating. It's one of those things that we can just sort of see in a moment. like as it pertains to a specific thing, like do I do the eye surgery or not? But then it's also something, and it sounds like you have seen a lot of this since, that is so much bigger. It's not about any specific thing. It's like, oh, this is, like, isn't that interesting that this is where my mind will go and not yours. I mean, like a mind, you know, mine too. Like it just goes to that negativity bias. It goes to that little 10%. And you know, that is just gigantic to see and to take with you for the rest of your life to kind of notice like, wow, all this evidence. And then I, my mind just wants to go over and play out the worst case. Yeah. Has that expanded for you to like see that in, you know, in ways that have helped you in other parts of your life? Uh, absolutely. And, and it was gradual. I, I um, you know, I, I got it on the mental level for yeah. sure. There was like big aha. And then I, I, you know, sought the implications of how it impacts my business and how it's impact this and this in life. And, and you know, and, and logically I could make all of that, but there was something deeper that at the time was happening, but I couldn't see it initially. And, and I was just called to do a lot of things that before, I mean, I was always a person that follows my guts feeling and not necessarily know why I chose to do this or that in life. I, I would go with the flow. I believe in intention and in the greater wisdom that runs things beyond what I can understand. But this, this was different. This was different. And as, as you say, it was very big because I initially saw it on myself. I then saw it, you know, the people close to me, my family that led me very quickly to marry uh, my wife, who I've been in, I've been in a relationship for nine years before we got married, but but our minds went all the time why we are not compatible, which was just a bullshit thing because we're so we're very <laughs> different, but we're so compatible. 
So, you know, that dropped all of that dancing of relationship, for example. And, and you know, from the moment we both got that, because my wife went on the principles from a different path. I didn't even know she's doing that. And one day we were just like, oh. And, um, you know, we did one intensive with, um, with, with Angus and Rohini. And, and for me, it was game over. For her, it took a few more weeks. But for me, the first day of the intensive, I knew that uh, it's done. And, you know, and, Three months later, we're engaged, and six months later, we're married. And we're going very smoothly since then. We still have yeah. our differences. We still have our incompatibilities, but it's not an issue yeah. anymore. Uh, uh, you know, in the grander scheme of like, we can be together. Um, now, on the business side, it was very interesting because I started to observe my set of mind. And then when I got back to work and I did... Um, you know, consulting and coaching and was kind of challenged with why do I need to become a practitioner? Uh, you know, of the definition, why do they want me to drop all of what I know from before? Because it didn't contradict. All of what I knew from before made sense. It just made more sense with the understanding and simplified it drastically. But I started to become more interested and more um, engage with my clients around their state of mind versus the issue that they were dealing with. Yeah. And, and part of it was really, I didn't even know, I guess it was by symbiosis, by, by working with you and being on a lot of little school calls and, and um, eventually what led me to also do your coaching program that was great. Um, at some point, it really hit me so I knew it before, but it really hit me, no matter what the issues that are, people are dealing with, and it could be a dire issue, it could be big things, because I went for it for myself. Mm-hmm. But the state of mind of how the people approach it is, is what shorten their suffering or shorten that, you know, when consulting, people's like, how do I get from point A to point B? And you yeah. go on, build those plans and all the steps that you need to do. And, and in business, you need to do that. You need, you need to create the form and the... And the format of that but with big business issues it's really it's 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 an insight it's a snap away yeah Uh, and in the past before that you know and it's really in the last couple of years we would really try to figure out what is the problem and if we define the problem and the question correctly then the answer would show itself and you know all of the approaches beyond it behind that but realizing that when people are pointed in the right direction and they're in a clear state of mind, putting aside the noise, not sped up and all of that, the answer always shows up, boom. Uh, sometimes instantly, sometimes not, sometimes a day later on a walk, or in the shower, but way faster yeah. than any other thing that I did in my life. And I did a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you experienced that, you know, like you, yeah. like you said, it's kind of, I imagine like even deciding whether to have the eye surgery or not, like you said, once you had that clarity, it's kind of like, well, I'm, you know, I am either going to lose my sight 
or I'm going to take a 1% chance of losing my sight. <laughs> like it looks different when your mind is quiet. Yet it's one of those things that our mind will think, oh, this is so big and this could happen. And it's almost like our mind just wants to do its due diligence and like give yeah. tons of thought, which feels comforting to us on some weird level. Like, oh, I'm really thinking it through. I'm really sitting with this decision when we know the answer. We just don't know that we know the answer. Same yeah. with your relationship. You know, it's like it took, it took a second to just click into to clarity, but you could get there a second before you were there. <laughs> like when your yeah. mind just kind of fell there, then, then, you know, and so that's so cool to have, you know, in a relatively short period of time to see this show up. And like you said, in business and so many things and really major things in life, your health and your relationship to just kind of see, oh my gosh, it's been a state of mind thing the whole way through. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, it goes even to physical. This is something that I recently got more, I think I heard it on one of your podcasts, which, which is one of my favorite, that even my health, you know, I'm not in the best health. I have a chronic condition and I have some underlying things underneath that. And when COVID year that it's very present, but my mind would dwell a lot around my health. Um, and yet, you know, even that in, in the right set of mind, I, I, I know what I need to do. Yeah. Uh, when I'm not, I need to go and see all those experts and get, get as you said, give all the information, do my due diligence. Oh, this is the right thing to do during COVID. Right. No, we always know what we need to do. And, and it hit me one, on my, one of my latest procedures. The recovery was not easy. You know, you, you have some stitches in your eye and when my mind was on the irritation and the pain and the condition, it, it was really unbearable. When my mind drifted away, I let it go, whatever it is, suddenly it was all there. And the mm -hmm. doctor told me, scar's still there, everything is still there, but at some point you don't feel it. And it doesn't bother you. I'm yeah. like, wow. Uh, and, and for me, it's funny, it's funny to say it. I think what really got me to be a slow learner of this understanding is the whole background that I had for almost a decade of spirituality and all of that. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, in order to calm my mind, I need to go and meditate. And in order to get that, I need right. to set a clear positive intention. And then I have seen. So these things take time and a lot of energy. And in my mind, it's like, if I don't meditate, I would not get to that set of mind that I want to think. And so that to me slowed me down until I realized I don't need that. I go for a 15 minute walk. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm in that and I'm getting it. So, so how do you, I, that's so big. And I struggle with that too sometimes still. Like, how do you kind of, um, how do you sort of navigate both, you know, in a sense, or, or do you not? Or is it just because I know like, it's like the positive intentions and let's visualize it healing and all of that. That's not all horrible stuff. Is it more, but, but to your point, it's also bringing it up and putting it on your mind when that's not always helpful. So how, yeah, like what do you do around that now? Do you set positive intentions and visualize yourself healing and stuff, but just do it from a different, you know, wait till you're in a state of mind where it feels good or do you not do any of that anymore? I do. You know, I don't negate any of, of those things. You know, when I put my eye drops every day, I need to lay down with my, with my eye closed for like two minutes. I, I do do a visualization or, or meditate or really clear my mind when I do yeah. that, like my few minutes of rest. I, I really don't negate any of that. And I still meditate here and there, usually outdoor if I can. Again, this year was not the best year, but I, I was fortunate to get stuck in 
the beautiful island of Kauai when COVID hit. So I, I've been outdoor a lot. And, and yeah. sometimes to me, being close to nature, to creation, grounded, it, it, it happens automatically. I think the answer to your question is, is this realization that I can't control my, my, my mind, my brain. You know, like, which, which is what a lot of those techniques and methods try to do by slowing down thoughts or meditation, all of that. Yeah. Some, somewhere it hit me, I don't remember when, that I can't, my, my thoughts going to keep running, same as I cannot stop my breathing. <laughs> you know, yeah. like my body does what it's going to do. The brain is just another thing in the body, it does what it needs to do. It was just like how much attention I'm giving it. So not giving it the attention and... And catching earlier, oh, I, I went on this thought loop. And it happens. It happens in sessions with clients. It happens uh, when I get really engaged in something. It happened with the news. It happened with the elections. You know, I, it happens all the time. But this realization that this this going to do its course, and that's not what's going to bring me the solution. <laughs> right. It's, sometimes it does. Sometimes you do need that analytical brain. I mean, I, again, I don't negate any of any parts of that. but. Even when it does, there is an after point later. It could be an hour later or days later. Like, oh, whatever solution it brought could be simplified. Could be as simple mm-hmm. as that. So I, I just, I, I guess, you know, just acceptance and letting things be, but catching myself sooner, sooner. Oh, I go, I go again on this train of thought. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine. I sometimes enjoy doing that. It happens also when I walk and do other things. And, and I don't know what, I think one of the things that really fascinates me the most is where does thoughts come from? When do thoughts come from my little mind? When does thoughts come from above me, from good ideas? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's still fascinating. Sometimes like, how do good ideas come to mind? Or how do I connect to that? Yeah. So I sometimes go philosophically a little bit about that. but. But the letting go of realizing, and I think you, you, Amy, really helped me the most. You really, more than other people that I listen to, putting this on, on a very, you know, eye-level thing, there's nothing wrong with that. We all do that. It's going to happen. We, no matter how much we master the understanding, our mind going to do what our mind going to do. That's mm-hmm. what it does. It thinks it's doing its job, and it is doing its job. And just like, how seriously do I take that? Uh, or how much attention do I give to that is what gets me very quickly to the other side, yeah. quicker and quicker. So, you know, and, and sometimes I need a reflection. I need my wife to tell me, you know, I think you've been a long time dwelling around that. Let's just make dinner. Yeah. And I drop it. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's, it's big. And, and this is where I get, you know, I think it's going to happen for the rest of my life. Uh, it's not. I don't know. I don't think that at this point, I don't think that anybody can get enlightened to the point that they, they're not bothered by their thought. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it does. Because some people sell you that premise. You get enlightened and then you're going to be peaceful all the time. So the only people that I know that do that are some friends that are using some substances here, <laughs> which are very popular <laughs> in California. And, and that doesn't do it to me. So, yeah. yeah. How how was it? Um, you had to have kind of seen a lot about how your mind works when you were recovering from your surgeries, and you couldn't 
you couldn't do anything. Like you, you know, you couldn't read, you couldn't look at a computer for long. You just kind of had to be there. I don't know if you had to be with your eyes closed or what you were doing, but and I know you could listen to audiobooks and podcasts, but it seems like there had to have been a big chunk of time where you were just kind of more alone with your own thoughts than previously. Yes, uh, that that's what I call the dark night of the soul. I mean, yes, I, I had to do that. And, 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 you know, there was a lot of, there was a period of, of, of self-victimization. Like, why, why do I need to do that? You know, I'm, I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to the best doctor. Why does that have to be so hard? And, and I had to go for that point of surrendering to say, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but kind of sending out to God and says, okay, I'm surrendering, you know, crying, not intentionally, because a lot of the time tears just going to come out of the eye because it's irritated. It, it, was, it was not simple. But I think with that too, one day I, I just had the notion with the journey, what if I'm going to lose my eyesight? That as, this, as I ran that line of thought, it wasn't long because there was something in me very quickly. I actually did that with my eyes closed. <laughs> uh, that something in me, no, you're going to be okay. Even if you get blind, you're going to be okay. And in that time, I was okay. I got so much support from yeah. friends and community and, and the universe to point me to the right people, to get the right surgeon, to get the, the best treatment that, I, that, that you know, money could buy. So I, I don't know to explain because that was not a logical thing. There was just a feeling that I knew that even if I lose my eyesight, I'll be good. I'll keep contributing. I'll find something to do that's going to make me happy. It may be a bit more challenging on the physical level. Yeah. But, I, but that notion that knew that I'm going to be okay no matter what was game over. Then, then all of those thoughts, I, I barely ever, you know, they come into my mind and they're passing through in seconds now. Uh, so, mm. you know, and, and it's true for other conditions uh, like COVID. You know, I, when close people to me got COVID, my mind ran running, you know, what's, what if, what if, and everybody that I know been okay so far, you know, not necessarily the easiest path, but there's this knowing, you know, that, that comes in, not from my thoughts. Yeah. And that's helpful. And and I discovered also more and more in business, you know, people come to have an issue and in the past, I knew there was an underlying issue and I would go with them to the underlying issue and process and figure that now I'm really very carefully and very curiously observing the state of mind as they talk about the issue and then point them, maybe that's not the issue. Maybe it's just how you go about it and your state of mind is the issue. And then when I give them that pause, point them at, at something that they, suddenly there's like, oh, and, and then, you know, and then what do you mean? <laughs> and then yeah. it's, a different, it's a different conversation. Uh, and, and sometimes you need to wrap it back to the issue. But when you come back to the issue from a different state of mind, it, it's, a whole, it's a whole different game. Yeah. So just to touch on this before we end again, because I know this is how we kind of, you kind of came into my little web. Um, the, the weight gain and overeating issue like that, I assume at one point looked like a separate thing. Like, like maybe I have this habit or this issue. Maybe not. Maybe it always looked connected to the fact that you just felt crappy and you were in a dark night of the soul. But I'm curious how that 
sort of evolved and looked to you? Like, like you said it really clearly earlier that now you see that that was just a symptom of you being in a low state of mind. It was a way you were comforting yourself. Like, did it look like that all along or like, how did that come to be? I, I really give a lot of credit to, to your school, you know, to the first time I did the school because the way it was set up in my mind, even after I did the whole school was that I'm a food addict. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I don't have power over that. And the minute that it switched in my mind, oh no, you're not an addict, but you have very interesting <laughs> uh eating habits. And uh it was it was kind of like with with uh, the decision to to marry my wife. It was game over. I, I don't know what happened and I think you asked me or some people asked me, but in the six months after that. I shed at 50 pounds without dieting and without overthinking it. And it's not that I stopped eating. You know, I found what worked for me. That was intermittent fasting and no limitations because every time that I limited myself, it, it ended up bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting back to the habit at some point. It held for a little bit. Willpower works to a degree. Yeah. So I, so I think that little switch from, oh, I'm not an addict. It's just a habit and habits can change. That was that. And then I, I really think it, it somehow ripples to other areas of life. So, you know, so initially it was eating, then it was moving. And suddenly I find myself X hours a day on, on a treadmill desk. So whenever I work on the computer, on my computer and training my eyes through the recovery, I discovered that doing it while walking versus by sitting, it's a different experience and I actually like that. So suddenly it went from eating to moving. And then from, so it, it ripples, you know. I don't know that I had every any plan for that, but but it's that insight that you get to see something that I got to see something that is different than the way I looked at it before it was uh, it was different, and 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 you know it brought me back to what got me to spirituality this weekend. I think I shared it is that quote of Dr. Wayne Dyer: "When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change." Yeah, that that to me is the best explanation of the process. But it's not how you look at things. It's just you see them differently once you have the understanding. Once the insight is there, you cannot unsee it. So once yeah. I saw something, I cannot unsee it. My mind said, but, but what about this? But what about this? What about this? But that chatter was, was just a side chatter. I could not unsee what I saw. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that makes things much easier. It makes life much easier. It makes working with people much easier. I, I really don't think today it was... A, that I manage people or consult people or I really, if you point people to what they already know or point them to something that they may not know, but in the right sort of mind, everybody finds their own solution to their own issues. Everybody have that. It's inherent in us. And with the internet day, you just go and Google whatever you need. Yeah. You just point them to the right thing to Google. And they're like, Oh, I, I need to do that. That ain't not a solution for that. So that wisdom is now so much more, um, easier yeah. than before. Uh, I think, you know, that's, uh, that's me. And, and, you know, just the little bit about uh, the little bit that's huge, the huge bit about kind of when stuff looks like a problem, like when it feels hopeless, when you're thinking, when you're, we're focused on the 10% that could go wrong, when, 
you know, when it looks like we're a food addict, when it looks like, oh, this is incompatible and why are we still together? Like just to kind of see all of that is showing us just what you're saying here. It's like, wow, we have a lot of thinking. Doesn't mean you are meant to be together. Doesn't mean there's not problems to solve, like resources to find and things to do in life, right? There are, but to see all that confusion and mental sludge that we're swimming around in to see that that is just a ton of thinking and that when that clears, things will look different. Like, I know that's what everybody says, but man, it's true. Like, and it can't get much simpler than that. We're designed with, you know, with feedback to feel it physically, to feel horrible when we're doing that to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. The the way I articulate it to to myself and to people is like, I think we do have an inherent GPS that whenever, when we go on the wrong path, and usually when the mind starts to get really busy, it starts to feel heavy. It starts to feel, when it starts to feel like not negative, let's say, in yeah. any form, I just know I'm not in the right direction. So yeah. if I drop it and then the right direction shows itself to me, or I even just don't, can't drop it and it's keep running, but I'm not giving it too much attention. And to me, the feeling is the compass. When it doesn't feel right, yeah. it's, it's some mechanism built in into us as you're not in the right direction. <laughs> Yeah, and and not being obsessed about okay, tell me what's the right direction brings it faster. It's just yeah. like okay, course corrective. This path doesn't go. Why don't you take this path? And you walk somewhere else. And uh, for me, a lot of it is coming through walking, or just going and do something that that I like. You know, gardening, cooking, going in the shower, and suddenly, boom, it comes yeah. up. I don't know when. You know, there's no formula to that. And sometimes it takes weeks, but it, I do what feels right. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dora. I love this conversation. I love seeing, you know, like just these common threads and how they show up in so many parts of our lives. And it takes, I think, being around this a little bit for a little while to be able to look back and see it, see how this has been, you know, through a thread throughout so much that you've been through. So, so, so fun to hear about it. So thank you. Thank you so much as well. Have you often thought, hmm, one of these days, someday, I'm going to check out the Little School of Big Change, see what all the hype is about? Or do you maybe know someone who you've been dying to see them go through the school, your husband or grandpa or niece or neighbor, you just think, oh, they would get so much from it. Well, if so, I want to let you know that from now until December 31st, 2020, Pre-enrollment in the March course of the Little School of Big Change is 33% off. So you might know that I never run discounts on the school. Only these last couple weeks of the year we do this. And I also want to let you know unofficially that it's looking like this March course is the only time I'm going to run the school in 2021. It's because I usually run it in March and in September, October. And in September, October 2021, I have a new book coming out. So I'm going to want to do some stuff around that, a book club or something fun. So if you've been thinking someday, one of these days, this is time. Or if someone you know, you've been just dying for them to go through it, why not buy it for them? Why not do this for them for the holidays? Again, 33% off just through the new year and quite possibly the only time in 2021. So Go to the littleschoolofbigchange.com, check it out. I would absolutely love to watch you wake up to what I've seen so many of the thousands of people who have gone through the school before you wake up to. Would love to guide you through it this March. <laughs>